gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast, I welcome you to episode 7 of Martian Mixed Martial Arts. Today's date is January 26th, 2018, the night before UFC on Fox 27 in Charlotte, North Carolina. On today's episode, we will be reviewing UFC 220 from the past weekend, talking about Bellator 192 that happened this past weekend previewing the upcoming UFC on Fox card tomorrow night, and talking about general UFC news throughout the week. So let's get things started right away with UFC 220 review. Um, you know, this this pay-per-view was a little bit of a letdown in my mind. You know, we had some, some good fights, um, some unexpected uh, uh, performances from some people. But, uh, you know, just I, don't, I, was, I was craving a knockout in the main event. And we just didn't get it, you know. The the go the distance on this fight was, I believe, six to one odds. No one in their mother expected it to go the distance, and uh, but that's that's what happened, you know. Sometimes that happens in our sport. Uh, everybody thinks it's gonna happen this way, and it just doesn't. So, you know, that's what makes our sport great, though. You know that there are some of these unpredictable moments, um, and uh, even if everybody thought it was going to happen one way. Uh, mixed martial arts doesn't give a fuck. It's going to play out in its own unique way uh, every time, and it's going to be unpredictable. So, um, The main event, although it was a little bit of a, a, sl- uh, a, a slow finish, uh, you know, it started off like fireworks. You know, like the first round was so, so intense. It was every punch that was being thrown, you were holding your breath and thinking that anybody could get knocked out at any time. And, you know, you can't ask for anything more in heavyweight title fights. Like, that's what you want. But um, after the first round, it seemed like Francis Ngannou had gassed out uh, completely almost. It seemed like he was done on the stool after round one. Um he uh, he somehow managed to last the next 20 minutes and not get finished. And I don't know if that says something about uh, Francis, you know, that he's tough. Or um, or maybe, uh, you know, Stipe was just too tired and didn't, didn't have it in him to finish. I don't know. It was a really weird fight, sort of frustrating after the second round. Like I said, the first round was fireworks, but... The 20 minutes after that was not exciting one bit. Um, I heard the uh, the Boston crowd was a little bit understanding, though. You know, I mean, you can't you can't ask for an exciting fight with Francis Ngannou for five rounds. You know, you're gonna lose from Stipe Miocic's uh, standpoint. So you got to take him down. You got to control him on the ground. You got to you know do all that. Do what's necessary. And I heard the Boston crowd wasn't actually booing the takedowns and like the wrestling and stalling they were kind of cheering along for Stipe because they knew that's how you have to beat this guy so that's kind of good to see good to see some people recognizing it but you know of course this that's just not going to be the most exciting fight 
We're going to go uh, backwards down the card uh, this time and uh, go with the co-main event next. We had uh, Daniel Cormier defeat Vulcan Ozdemir in the second round. Uh, he got like a, uh, I believe it's called a mounted crucifix on uh, Vulcan. And, um, you know, Vulcan just couldn't move from there. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's basically pinning your knee uh, over your opponent's arm and controlling the other arm with uh, your arm and you know that means both of their arms are incapacitated unable to move one of them under your knee the other under your arm and then the free arm that you have is just punching your opponent's face over and over again as you lay across their upper body it's a pretty lethal position you don't see it too much only high high level grapplers will be able to use it and keep the position and you know obviously that's what you had with Daniel Cormier you had an obviously tired Vulcan Ozdemir uh in the second you know he was uh the first round was pretty exciting too it was like the the main event it was a scene like headhunting you're like oh shit Vulcan's swinging for the fences I mean Vulcan it seemed like he had a good round up until the last 30 seconds when he got taken down and he got his back taken by Daniel Cormier so that's where I think Daniel actually stole that round and um Luckily, I saw Daniel Cormier finishing this fight in the second. Yeah, I had a little bit of a, a, a bet on him in, in the second round. Also had a bet on him by submission and, you know, Vulcan in the round one, Vulcan knockout. Um, so... You know, I guess I kind of backtracked on my Vulcan. I was really, I was really confident in Vulcan early, but then I realized I was just, you know, riding the hype train per usual, and that you know DC is the real deal, and you're not gonna beat him unless your name is John Jones. So. Um, I was I kind of regretted betting Vulcan so much in the beginning and then kind of just hedged uh, my losses with betting DC round two. And it ended up uh, working out. I might have even made a few dollars on it, but nothing substantial. Um, the You know, that fight, with, there was levels. There was levels to that shit. And, uh, you know, DC really showed him. DC is incredible, man. He's, he's, he's the man. Uh, you know... He's unstoppable, unless your name's John Jones. Um, the next uh, fight going down, we had an awesome, awesome fight. Uh, Calvin Cater versus Shane Burgos. We knew this was going to be a high-level striking match. Uh, we knew these guys were really evenly matched. Some some awesome matchmaking um, by Sean Shelby on this one. We had Calvin uh, Cater come out uh, strong in the first. He won the first round. Uh, Shane Burgos took the second, and then in the third, when we usually see Shane Burgos come on strong, and, you know, the momentum was already with Burgos after winning the second, we saw Cater just stop that right away by uh, landing a... I don't remember what the punch exactly was, but he dropped Burgos with a shot, uh, with a punch, and, you know, finished him off quickly after there for the TKO, uh, 30 seconds in round three. I mean, awesome, awesome fight. Uh, that finish came out of nowhere, and, uh, you know, Cater is legit. Uh, definitely want to see him. He's definitely going to see him ranked. I wonder if he is ranked, actually. Um, I hope to see him ranked. He should be. I, I want to see him uh, fight, you know, no, he's not ranked yet somehow. I want to see him fight Miles Jury. You know, I think that's a good next fight. Um, maybe if Mursad Bektik wins this weekend, that would be another uh, good matchup. 
or uh, you know, give uh, give them maybe Darren Elkins is, is up for a scrap with Cater. You know, both those guys are uh, able to take some punishment and still get the win after that. So that has all the makings for an excellent fight. Forty five has tons and tons of matchups right now. Yair hasn't fought in a while. Bermudez and Feely are fighting this weekend. Um, like I mentioned, Bechtick. Um, so th- there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different things to do with Cater. I'll be interested to see with him. You know, Burgos isn't done either. This is his first loss. He was undefeated. He'll uh, he'll be back strong. That guy's still a, a solid, solid contender. Um, John Volante, Francisco Barroso. This fight sucked a bag of dicks. Um, somehow it got a split decision, even though Barroso didn't do shit all fight. Somehow he got two rounds by one judge, and the other two judges gave all three to John, rightfully so. Really boring fight, nothing to say about it. Should not have been on the main card of a pay-per-view. Um, next fight, Rob Font versus Thomas Almeida. That was a pretty, really, pretty pretty good fight, uh, if I remember correctly. Pretty, really, pretty good. Um, that sounded pretty retarded. Uh, so Font uh, ended up finishing him in the second round, landing a sweet head kick that uh, really rocked Almeida, and then he was uh, able to finish him off after that. Um, you know, so three main card fin- finishes by knockout is pretty good. I don't know, you know, this. I don't know why the fight seem the the, the rest of the card seems sort of lackluster. Um, but uh, you know, I thought Almeida was going to go into this one and win. You know, I thought he had better striking than Font, but Font just you know was able to get inside, not stay at distance. That's where Almeida is really good at distance. He was able to close the distance. Uh, you know, land the shots he needed. Don't remember who won the first round, but um, it ended in the second. Uh, it's funny how some fights stick out more to you. Like I remember clearly Cater and Burgos how that fight went, but this one was a little more uh, shady. I bet the under one and a half on this fight, and it ended six seconds to spare before the the bet expired. So I was sweating this one out. Luckily, I ended up uh, cashing out on it. Um, uh, Boston's own Kyle Bosniak defeated Brandon Davis. Um, I remember this fight a little bit. I, I think I remember I watched the first round and saw that nothing exciting was happening and sort of clicked off to maybe watch Bellator. I think I think this is around the same time that uh, Aaron Pico was fighting, so I might have tuned over to that fight. Um, but yeah, that fight wasn't wasn't too exciting. I feel like I might have just placed like a a, a random pre fight bet on Botchnak decision, which ended up uh, winning a little money. So that's cool. Um, but you know that fight wasn't exciting or anything. Um, we had the rematch of Al Hassan and Hamasi. You know they had a first fight that ended sort of weird with Hamasi. Uh, you know, ended up getting like an early stoppage from Herb Dean, but this fight uh, didn't really go much differently. Alisson landed a nasty, uh, sh- like a shovel punch or uppercut, totally flatlined uh, Hamasi. He, uh, yeah, he got a performance bonus for it, rightfully so. Um, that was a pretty awesome finish. Um, Dustin Ortiz versus Alejandro Panjota, um, or Pantoja, sorry. Um, I bet on Pantoja decision in this one pre-fight, but ended up uh, live betting Dustin Ortiz after the first round. I think uh, 
Pantoja had, uh, yeah, no, I, I know Pantoja had Ortiz's back for the first round, pretty much the whole round, but just wasn't able to get a rear naked choke, unfortunately. Um, you know, that would have been a pretty pretty good win, but just didn't happen. Um, but luckily, the live betting covered the losses on that one. Uh, Ortiz won the second, and the third round was very uh, controversial. A lot of people had Pantoja winning, but I personally had Ortiz winning. Um, started off with like a, not much action in the first minute. Pantoja took Ortiz down, took his back for around two and a half minutes, and then around the 92nd mark, uh, again, didn't, didn't do anything with the back. Didn't get a rear naked choke. Didn't even go for any submissions. He looked exhausted. All he had was the body triangle. And um, ended, uh, Dustin ended up getting up in the last 90 seconds, landing a couple shots. And in my mind, that was more damage than Pantoja did all around. Um, you know, what's what's the point of control having someone's back if you're not even attempting to, you know, sink your hooks in for the choke? Uh, makes no sense to me. So the d- judges got it right in my mind. Um, saw a lot of more uh, jujitsu people uh, saying that Pantoja should have won, but you know that's just how you see fights differently. Julio RK versus D- uh, Dan Idge. I don't even. I don't. I don't. I don't know how to pronounce either of their last names. I sort of remember watching this fight, but I. I don't remember. I don't remember anything uh, exciting about it at all. Um, gonna skip it. Same thing with uh, Barzola Bassette. Don't remember shit about this fight, even though I was definitely watching to an extent. You know, I was. I don't know. Like the like the the stream was up, but I, I don't. Know, I guess I wasn't paying attention because I don't remember that one at all. I do remember Makachev Tibau. Uh, Makachev landed a one punch bomb, sent uh, Tibau to the canvas, kind of hit his head against the canvas and was pretty much out from there. Landed a couple. Um, follow-up shots got the TKO so um you know there were five knockouts and what six decisions maybe seven um six decisions yeah so that's pretty weird no submissions in this card um it was a you know pretty good card not a great pay-per-view though you know kind of underwhelming for a pay-per-view but uh couple uh couple um after the fact moments from it you know we had um we definitely learned that Stipe was unhappy with the UFC in some way, and we saw that in the post-fight uh, announcement where uh, Dana was about to uh, place the belt around Stipe's waist, and uh, Stipe took the belt from Dana and handed it to his coach. The coach then wrapped the belt around Stipe's waist as, you know, and then I think somebody asked him about it, and he said, yeah, my coach respects me. Um so that's what that's about. So you definitely see that there's some, you know, some passive aggressiveness going on there from Stipe. Um, you know, we thought we thought that could have could have been about uh, Ngano getting a lot of promotion in this fight and him not really getting respected as champ. But I don't think Stipe gives a shit about promotion. Um, you know, maybe a, a, a little bit, but I don't think he cares about Ngano getting sixty percent of the screen time and him getting forty. Um, it was just that Stipe was unhappy about his pay, and I didn't know this. I thought again, I thought it was because of the advertising, but then after uh, I believe I was watching an MMA beat, they pointed this out where. Um, 
Alistair Overeem uh, made $800,000 in their title fight <coughs> at UFC 203 when Stipe was champion who made 600000 And the same thing happened at UFC 211 with, when Junior Dos Santos made 800000 and again the champ made 600000 So he just felt disrespected the fact that his uh, the past two fights, you know, he knocked a dude out in the first round. He was a champ going in. He retained and somehow these chumps are making more than him. You know, you know, these chumps happen to be, you know, heavyweight veterans, but they also happen to be guys who are not as good as Steve Amiosius. And that was proven, un- undoubtedly. Um, so, I mean, the fact that those guys are getting more money than them, it's not a, not a good sign. Uh, the champ should be making more than the challenger, pretty much inexcusably. So, um, we already heard that there is, uh, there's some new contract negotiations uh, going underway with Stipe, so it seems like the UFC is recognizing that issue, and hopefully they'll get him on a new deal. But shit, if his opponents are making 800000 and he wants to make more than them, then Stipe's contract was going to be a cool million dollars from now on, which the dude fucking deserves, and you would love to see. You know, I think, I think, I think DC makes a million a fight, um, you know, deservingly. Uh, let's check the UFC 214 salaries um, to see if DC made a million. I'm almost positive he did. Um, you know, then what? What did Jones make then? If he, uh, if he, if he made a million, who knows? Um, so we also saw that Francis Ngannou has said that he is, you know, taking some time off. I believe going home to either um, France or Cameroon to see his family and. Um, so uh, that, that that's interesting, you know. Engano needs uh, huge, huge adjustments in my mind. You know that fight showed that he had very little in terms of um, how to how to strategize. You know how to um, execute a game plan. You know realize who your opponent is, realize what his strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and stay away from his strengths and everything like that he did not do that at all he was just throwing punches not thinking about takedowns he was really wild throwing tons of looping hooks that you could see coming from you know around around the corner wasn't throwing many straight punches was throwing no leg kicks no knees and didn't do much on the ground didn't try to explode up much uh, he he looked he looked awful in that fight um huge letdown from him he needs to uh he needs to get uh, join some sort of uh, more legitimate MMA camp. You know, get some more training uh, under under his belt, um, and you know, just have someone who's gonna tell him the truth. And you know, the dude is a, a specimen. You know, a power specimen, a heavy hitter. But you can't you can, you can't win championships like that in this day and age in martial arts. So um, you know, take take all the time you need in Ghana. You need a you need a couple years to improve. Uh, in my mind, I, I mean, like, think about it. Who's he gonna fight next? Derek Lewis. He's gonna get taken down and mauled on the ground. Everyone knows how to beat this guy now. So if he doesn't come in the octagon with some tip-top takedown defense, and you know a hugely, hugely improved game plan, I mean, he's not gonna uh, be getting wins at the high level of the UFC. Simple as that. Other news, we had uh, DC coming out saying that he does not want to fight after forty years old, which would be in uh, eleven or. 
not 11, sorry, 13 or 14 months in March of uh, 2019, you know, so that means we only have uh, a couple more opportunities to see Cormier fight, and, you know, rightfully so, 40 is a good age to retire, it's interest. It's it's good that he's setting this date ahead of time, so the UFC knows that they need to get that uh, Jones trilogy going on sometime soon, um, I guess that fight will happen, unfortunately, don't really have too much interest in it. Um, or any interest in seeing John Jones fight in the octagon. Um, so, you know, can't blame DC for that, though. Or DC for wanting the rematch, I mean. And then we also had a, a rarity of the night of the fight. We have Dana White backstage at the scrum saying, yeah, we want to do DC versus Stipe next. Dana White, the same jackass who has said, I don't like to play matchmaker the night of a fight a thousand, thousand, thousand times. When, you know, of course, you you know, you don't have to play matchmaker. You can you can just, hi, like, you know, hyp, uh, hypothesize uh, about this, Danny. You know, a, a reporter asks you a question, hey, so-and-so got a win tonight. Who do you want to see? Uh, it could be this, this, this. Who knows? We'll, we'll see what uh, Sean Shelby, um, you know, wants to do. Simple as that. You can lay out a couple contenders. Oh, yeah. Um, Calvin Cater looked great tonight. We got Andre Feely, Hanato, Moisiano. Uh, we got uh, Darren Elkins. You know, one of those guys. Definitely top 15. Oh, thanks, Dana. Thanks. But instead, he, he gives the, the jackass answer. He goes, no, I don't, like to, I don't like to do that the night of the fight. I don't like to do that. Said it a thousand times. And then the night of the fight, he goes out and says, yeah, we want to do DC versus Stipe. We want to uh, clog up two divisions by doing uh, a quote-unquote super fight. Um, you know, Dana is just fully fully embracing uh, the super fights. Um, he's totally, you know, it's clear what WME is trying to do. They're trying to put together the biggest matchups possible. They don't give a fuck about belts. They don't give a fuck about rankings. They don't give a fuck about who has this many wins and deserves a title shot. They just care about their their on-paper big fights, which I can tell you right now, the three that they're talking about right now are Chris Cyborg, 145-pound champ versus Amanda Nunes, 135-pound champ. So two women's champs fighting each other. DC versus Stipe, light heavyweight champ, heavyweight champ. DJ, uh, Demetrius Johnson, flyweight champ. TJ Dillashaw, bantamweight champ. They want to do, do three uh, champion versus champion matchups, and they want to do them all on the same card, International Fight Week, July 7th. Can you imagine seeing a poster with all, with six guys on it and all six with a belt? I'd be like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? Like, like you can't have that. You can't have you can't have six divisions being held up in one night. That's fucking stupid. Like, I don't understand. Like, you're you're talking about. We have everyone, not everyone, majority of the people saying no. Super fights aren't a good thing. You gotta respect the rankings. You gotta do this. I think I'm I'm in that category. You should. You need to respect the fact that you know this person has you know four wins in a row. If they beat the top contender, they're getting a title shot. It doesn't matter if you know a guy ranked below them is might sell more pay per views. He needs to get the title shot. That's the way it works. Unless your name is Conor McGregor, that then you get an exception. You know that might seem stupid, but you know life is about exceptions. Uh, there are exceptions to this shit. Um, Conor is that exception. You know nobody else is. That, that's it. Nobody fucking else is making super fights. You need to stop getting this stupid idea in your head and just and just stick with it. You know, 
there, there's, like I said, there's a super fights. There's a couple super fights you can make. It's not, you know, it's not Cyborg versus Nunez. It's not DC versus TJ. It's not a DJ versus TJ. It's Connor versus Nate 3, Connor versus GSP, Connor versus Ferguson, Connor versus Norman Gamandov, Connor versus Woodley. Those are the fights. Those are the ones you could do. Those are the big fights. Other than that, there aren't any. There aren't any. So quit, quit fucking around with all this bullshit uh, super fights because it's not worth it. You're not selling any more pay-per-views. All you're doing is clogging up divisions. You're making contenders unhappy, and you're making the UFC turn into boxing by giving no value to their belts. We see this this this, uh, this s- taking sides right now in MMA. We have... Uh, uh, people talking about Connor wanting to be stripped, and it seems like the media is super in favor of wanting Connor to be stripped. Actually, I saw a column w- which uh, which said, uh, I think it was Bloody Elbow, which said Dana said that Connor would be stripped. Okay, I would like to check the source on that. You know, Connor. You know, Dana said this fight would be. Uh, then we would uh, we would potentially strip Connor if he wasn't fighting till September. That's what he said. He said, "Yeah, Connor doesn't want to fight till September. In that case, we would have to strip him." Okay, but this person tweets in the article. It says Dana White says they will strip Connor McGregor for this you know interim lightweight title fight between Tony Ferguson and Khabib. That's fake news. Dana never said that. You know he would never say that. He said, yeah, if he doesn't fight till September, then yeah, theoretically we would strip him. But they're not going to just strip him flat out right now and leave all their marbles in one basket for Tony versus Khabib. The reason why Dana White is avoiding questions when the media is asking him, is Connor stripped? Is this for the real lightweight title fight? Is because he doesn't want to say that, yeah, the only reason this isn't for the real title and we haven't stripped Connor is because we don't fucking know if this fight's going to happen. You know, we scheduled it three times before. One time Tony got hurt, one time Khabib got hurt, one time Khabib died from weight cutting. It's the fourth time this fight has been scheduled. They're not putting much faith in it at all, it seems like, rightfully so. You know, why would you piss off Connor and do all this shit just to, like I said, put your eggs in one basket for Khabib, uh, Tony? Not a wise move, but the media just wants Dana to say that. He wants them to admit it. He wants, you know, they want Connor stripped. Uh, let me give you three names and tell me if these names mean anything to you. Anthony Pettis, Dominic Cruz, Cain Velasquez. What do all three of these people have in common? They all had super super long layoffs um dominic cruz i think was inactive for almost three years before he was stripped of his title and there weren't people on twitter and on, on all the the reporters saying hannah morale versus michael mcdonald should be for the real bantamweight title not the interim uh, no, they weren't saying that. Eddie Wineland versus Hannah Morale should be for the real belt. No, they weren't saying that. They weren't saying Fabricio Verdun versus Mark Hunt should be for the real belt. No, they weren't saying that. You know, like, of course not. They, they All you had to do is is wait. You know, that might be a little different because the champions were injured at the time, but it's Conor fucking McGregor, the dude who has excelled the sport 300 400% since his entrance to the sport a couple years ago. Uh, I mean, you got to you got to understand, you know, who he is, what he brings to the table and realize that uh, okay, yeah, you can hold your belt a couple more months and we'll just they'll fight over the interim belt. It's not that big a deal. Um 
uh, you know, that's the exception. You know, you can't have you can't have the same thing going for Cyborg. Uh, I guess Cyborg versus Nunes is different because there's no fucking contenders in that division. Uh, DC, DC versus Stipe. That's a good example. Daniel Cormier should fight Alexander Gustafsson for the second time. That's a fight everybody wants to see. It's a great fight. They had a close first fight. It makes sense. Book it. Cain Velasquez versus Stipe Miocic, two of the best, uh, two of the best UFC heavyweights of all time. Number one and number two in pretty much everybody's book. They have the tie for or most title defenses. You know, three and two. Um, you know, Cain's got to heal up for a couple months. Great. We'll put Stipe on the sidelines, and we will have Cain and Stipe fight. There you go. Those are two legit matchups that you need to make. None of these bullshit super fights. None of that. We gotta we gotta get away from that. We get away from that thinking. It's it's fucked. Um, quick uh quick review of um Bellator uh one ninety two before we uh, move on from UFC on uh UFC two twenty. Um, didn't catch uh, all of this card. You know, caught caught some of it. Um, some of the fights, some of the highlights, but didn't watch the whole thing. Um, we'll just start with the main card, obviously. Um. Kraus, you know, uh, Kakarian didn't watch that fight. Um, Pico Crutchin, you know, obviously Pico just flatlined him real quick. Uh, body shot punch fight ended in 37 seconds. Aaron Pico, you know, let's see him get some real fights. Uh, you know, this guy had a 12 and three record and, you know, all the guys he fought were cans, you know, Owen, Owen seven record and one and six record, you know, so Quit, uh, quit giving them guys with padded records and, you know, give them some, some real fights. Um, Chandler Yamaguchi, uh, heard Chan didn't watch it again. Chandler, uh, uh, took him down, dominated. Apparently Yamaguchi, uh, didn't do shit. It was just getting taken down getting his ass kicked and didn't, didn't really, was kind of content with that. Uh, McDonald and Lima went to war. Um, Lima was, you know, chopping down Rory's legs, landing a lot of good jabs, busting up Rory's face. Um, Rory was able to, you know, take him down a lot, control him on the ground, win a bunch of rounds. Uh, Rory McDonald, your new uh, Bellator welter- welterweight champion. And the main event, the first fight of the hel- uh, Bellator heavyweight Grand Prix, Chael Sonnen beat Rampage Jackson. Um, you know, again, Chael instituted a uh, heavy wrestling game plan, a lot of takedowns, didn't really didn't really do much on the ground and uh, besides control. But, um, you know, was able to win that fight, um, advance to the next round of the, the tournament. Who's he fighting? Oh, f- he's fighting uh, Fedor Frankmere winner. Um, after seeing the weigh-ins, you got to think Fedor would be good in that fight. You know, Frank looks like a fat fuck. Um, so hopefully Fedor wins that and we get to see uh, Chael Fedor. Um, getting back to the UFC, uh, the card this weekend, um, pretty... Uh, Pretty pretty shitty UFC on Fox card. You know the, the the Fox cards used to be a lot more exciting. They used to have like some some good matchups on there, but not good matchups, just good names. I'm sorry, they used to have names. I remember like when I, I went to see a Fox card, it was Rockhold Machida, 
um, Jacare, it was supposed to be Jacare Romero, but it was Jacare Camozzi instead, uh, Swanson Holloway and Herrick Van Zant. Like, those are names, like, you know, and again, more pre, uh, you know, pre, there was good fights on the prelims too. But, uh, now it seems like the guys on the prelims a couple of years ago, all of a sudden headlining the cards and, uh, you know, just the qualities of the Fox cards have dropped a little bit, but nevertheless, still a good card, still good fights to watch. Um, let's start at the bottom. They just threw some regional uh, fight on there. Uh, Alston Arnett versus Cody Sandhagen. Don't know either of those guys, so um, you know that would be the only shout out they get from the Martian MMA podcast. Uh, Nico Price and George Sullivan. Um, Sullivan is coming off of a long layoff and a loss. If I'm, yeah, if I'm correct. Uh, y- y- Usada, right? Yeah, yeah. He had uh, Usada problems. Um, so, whatever the fuck that means, uh, yeah, um, I think Price will run through him, Price is really active, finishes a lot, um, finish, submits a lot, or knocks a lot of guys out, submits a few too, um, only has one win by decision in his career, so, you'd think that, uh, Price would finish him in this fight. Um, Vince Pitchell versus Joaquim Silva, um, Pitchell's got a good record. I think he's uh, yeah ten and one, three and one in the UFC. Just knocked out Damian Brown in his last fight. A um, little bit of a long layoff though for him. Um, eh, not too bad actually. Seven or eight months. Um, and then uh, Joaquim Silva also coming off a couple wins. He's undefeated. Three wins in the UFC as well. Um, coming off of a decision win against uh, Reza Mazadi. Um, this fight is uh is you know sort of sort of interesting um you know two uh pr- pretty uh, good record uh, fighters I think uh I think Joaquim will uh, end up getting a finish in this one he just seems more ambitious and um the, the, the his fighting style you know Justine Kish versus Ji Young Kim um you know I've seen Kish fight once and it was really unimpressive her last fight against Herrig um she uh you know kind of just got dominated. Um, other than that, you know, she's got a pretty good record wins over Nina Ansaroff. But, uh, you know, I'm hearing a lot of good things about Ji Young Kim. Haven't seen her fight, but uh, people are saying that, let me pull up her record, people are saying that she's uh, the real deal. Um, so, yeah, 6 and 1, same as Kish. Um, lost her first fight in the UFC, but, um, you know, I have a good feeling about Kim in this one. I saw a lot of other people were confident in her, too, so. Uh, ended up putting a bet or two on her. She's a pretty big underdog. I just couldn't believe that Justine Kish was a favorite and a big favorite at that. Um, so I sort of just had to bet against her based on that. Next fight, Random Marcos, Juliana Lima. This is a snoozer. Nice to see they're staying at 115, though, instead of being lazy and going up to 125 like most of the other strawweights. Um, you know, Marcos is coming off, uh, you know, she's always, you know, win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. Has a lot of fights in the UFC, though. Pretty active. Um, and then uh, Juliana Lima, uh, you know, again, very active fighter. Uh, has a lot of trouble, you know, getting a couple wins in a row, though, obviously. Um, but, I mean, you know, the, when, with the uh, women's divisions being so young, it's, uh, you know, they there's often a lot of mismatches in, in uh, those fights. You know, Juliana Lima's last opponent was Tisha Torres, and now she's fighting Random Marcos. You know, there's a huge, huge uh, gap in between the competition. Um, 
We got um, Caitlin Chukagin versus Amara Romero, Romero Borella. Um, Chukagin is a pretty good stand-up fighter. Um, Borella is a pretty good submission fighter. Um, so um, this will be a, a sort of interesting matchup, you know, as interesting as no-name girl fights can get. Um, I think it'll either be Chukagin decision or Borella submission. Chukagin's... Uh, Ground game is not too stellar, but you know, Borella's striking probably isn't too uh, up, uh, you know, comparable to Chukigan's too. So interesting fight. Mursag Bektik and Gio uh, Gio Dafre Pepe, um, you know, Bektik uh, coming off of that loss against uh, Stevens or uh, Elkins, uh, sorry, in the third round, you know, was dominating that fight and just you know couldn't couldn't uh, stick it out for the last round. But I think he learned his lesson from that. I think he won't let up off the gas. From now on, and he'll, uh, you know, be able to possibly get a finish in this fight, maybe a decision. Um, yeah, you know, Pepe is a pretty solid fighter, though. Um, pretty wicked submissions, you know. Uh, so possible, uh, he could take Bektik down, but you know, Bektik's pretty good on the ground too. So that's a that's a pretty underrated matchup. Um, Bobby Green, Eric Koch, uh, Koch is coming off of. Uh, I think he uh, fought once since his really long layoff. No, he fought uh, more than that. Yeah, twice. Uh, Shane Campbell, Clay Guida. Um, was able to win one, lose one. Um, so, you know, he's kind of in in limbo right now. You don't really know what to expect from him. Personally, I wouldn't hold too much uh, stock in him just because he's had such a, uh, a long layoff in the past and hasn't been too consistent over the past couple of years. And uh, Bobby Green seems... Um, I don't know. Seems seems more hungry. He had a good last fight with uh, Lando, um, but uh, you know before that was coming off of three straight losses. So he's definitely looking back at getting back in the win column. You know, if he doesn't win here, he's he might be out of the UFC. So I would give uh, Bobby Green an advantage in this fight. Again, decision maybe a finish in the late rounds, but um, Bobby Green does isn't too much of a finisher. Although in the interviews he was talking about chasing a finish, but. Who knows if it'll happen. Um, moving on to the main card, we have Drew Dober versus Frank Camacho, two guys who like to go to, uh, go to war, two brawlers. Um, you know, Both of them have pretty good chins. Both of them have good cardio. So this will probably be a 15-minute slugfest. Um, I think Dober will come out on top just because he's been in more uh, more wars. But um, I think they, they both uh, have a common opponent. Yeah, Damian Brown, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so... Um, I think Dober is Dober uh, D- Dober decision. Oh no, they do not have a common opponent. I'm sorry, I was mistaken. Um, that's another fighter on the card I'm thinking of. Um, but um, yeah, moving on. Uh, just uh, Jordan Rinaldi versus uh, Gregor Gillespie. Gregor Gillespie is uh, a really uh, really interesting. I guess you would call him a uh, prospect. You know, he's still fairly new. Ten and 3 and zero in the UFC. Um, coming off an arm triangle in his last fight uh, at uh, UFC Pittsburgh. Um, so uh, I, uh, I think very highly of this guy. He's a, he's a finisher. You know, he's got he's only got uh, two decisions on his record. So, um, you know, a lot of expectations for him. I think he'll uh, he'll get a, he's, he's a huge lightweight, too. Huge. Um, I think he'll get a submission in this one. Um Coming event, we got uh, Dennis Bermudez and Andre Touchy Feely. Um, Bermudez is coming off a loss, right, to knockout um, super from Superboy. Oh, no. Coming off a, a decision loss to uh, 
uh, Darren Elkins, and it wasn't Superboy, it was Korean Zombie, the other Korean guy. Um, yeah, split decision to Elkins at um, the last UFC on Fox, or two UFC on Foxes ago. Um, and then, uh, you know, Philly has been struggling to get things going lately, too. Uh, you know, it's basically, trade, he, he's uh, win-loss, win-loss for the past eight fights. So, uh, but he beat uh, Artem in his last fight, so hopefully he can... Uh, he, he looked pretty good in that fight, too. So, um, you know, maybe he can... Uh, Uses uh his distance striking to maybe edge out a decision over Bermudez, maybe even land some sort of flash knockout. But I think that uh Bermudez by decision is probably the most likely outcome of that fight. Main event we got uh, the rematch between Ronaldo Jacare Souza and uh, Derek Brunson. A um, couple things about this fight we uh I read that uh Jacare is changing camps which is pretty strange to do this late in your career. I mean, what is he, 39 years old, changing camps? Um, 38, sorry. Um, so that doesn't seem like uh, a good move, even though, you know, Brunson has sort of been, you know, known for switching camps a lot, you know, going from North Carolina to um, Jackson's. But um, he seems pretty settled in North Carolina for the time being. Um, Jacques Array also has been recovering from uh, injury. I forget what exact injury, but um, uh, I remember he was out for a really long time after his last Whitaker loss where he got knocked out. Um, to be honest, I think uh, Jacques Array is done. I think he can't do shit with that as steroids. Um, Brunson's takedown defense is awesome. Even when he gets taken down, he's really good at you know exploding back up and getting back to his feet. And um, Brunson knows that you know you have to be patient with Jacques Array. You can't you know rush in or you're gonna get taken down or maybe even clip with a punch too. Dude still hits pretty hard. So um, he knows that he's going to be patient. Hopefully he won't be uh, headhunting like he did in the Winnaker fight. And hopefully he'll be able to score a knockout in this fight. Um, probably in the early rounds if I had to, if I had to guess. Um, for the for the bets on this card, uh, pulling up uh, five, five dimes now. Um, we have uh, Gregor Gillespie by submission. at uh, I got one at plus 675 odds and one at... Uh, plus 458 you know so that line went down an extreme amount because everybody realized that gillespie is a huge submission threat so um we'll be cheering for the submission on that one jiyun kim um i think i have her uh money line and by decision um holding a lot of faith in her um maybe should have you know watched a little bit of tape before i did that but fuck it that's my biggest bet of the night on some korean girl who i've never watched fight before that shows my betting strategy. Um, Barella by submission, you know, like I like I said, she's got a really good ground game. And Chukagin's uh, kind of unknown uh, on the ground, not too good. Um, uh, Derek Brunson by TKO, uh, plus 190 odds. And, uh, and we also have uh, Brunson in round one. Uh, actually, no, I never bet on that. Um, thought I did, but I didn't. Um Maybe I should. Oh no! I, yes, I did. Yes, I did. There it is. Brunson round one. Um, I think. I think. Hoping he smokes him in round one, but it might last till two or three. Hopefully not, though. Uh, I would still win a little bit from if he TKOs him in two or three, but I would just prefer it in round one. Mursad Bektik in round three. Uh, you know, we saw. Uh, we saw him kind of fade in his last fight in round three, but um, I don't know. I think Pepe uh, Pepe's more susceptible to fading than him. Um, 
but that's kind of just a little bit of a, a random bet. Um, don't really know why I did it. Nico Price wins inside the distance. I just think George Sullivan is done. You know, he's coming off of that USADA violation, coming off a long layoff. He's really old, and uh, Price is a pretty good finisher. So um, uh, I think that's pretty likely. Um, Frank Camacho, Drew Dober, a draw, plus 6,000 odds. Um, you know, these guys are pretty, like I said, you know, they're susceptible to go to war and trade punches. So a draw is not totally unlikely, although it is very, very unlikely. Um, you know, but that's what betting's fun for, $1 for $60 and for a draw on that one. Um, that's all so far, you know, seeing how the earlier fights go, might make some more bet, uh, some pre-fight bets. Um, might uh, definitely a live bet some, you know, live betting's awesome. Um, so uh, yeah, quick uh, quick predictions for all the fights, real quick. I'm gonna go with Joaquin Silva by TKO, Caitlin Chukagian by decision, Jiyoung Kim by decision, Nico Price by TKO, Mursad Bektik by decision, Bobby Green by TKO, Gregor Gillespie by submission, Drew Dober by decision, Dennis Bermudez by decision, and Derek Brunson by knockout. So that's gonna cover uh, UFC on. Fox 27 happening tomorrow night. I believe all fighters made weight. Um, I think so, yeah. Um, I haven't heard anything about anybody missing, so that's good. Um, you know, looking forward to the card. Not the best, like I said, on Fox card, but still good fights. Um, moving on to other news in the week from the UFC. Uh, got a bunch of new fights added to UFC 223, including the rematch of the strawweight title fight between Joanna Jajek and Rose Nami Yunus. Um, we had Joe Lozon versus Chris Gruchemeyer added. That's a really good fight. You know, Joe's one of my favorite fighters, and uh, Gruchemacher is a pretty good matchup for him. You know, I would like to see him get some easier fights instead of, you know, he, has, he hasn't been fighting two stellar guys, you know, lately, like Stevie Ray and Clay Guida, but, uh, Evan Dunham, but... He's struggling a lot, you know. Joe's kind of up in the air, and you know I love the dude to death, but his career might be uh, kind of taken down. Um, Ally Quinta versus Paul Felder was added to this card, and you're thinking, why? Why would Ally Quinta be fighting? Uh, he wasn't he uh, pissed off about uh, you know not getting paid and being treated unfairly, and that is true. Ally Quinta was mad for the past, I want to say, two years about not getting paid right. And uh, fortunately, the UFC has come to their senses, and they have offered him a new deal. You know, he was two fights into his old deal, and they, you know, tore up the contract and wrote him a new one, which is very, very rare for the UFC to do for a non-champion. But luckily, they they came to their senses. They gave Al what he wants, and... Um, now he'll uh he'll be fighting more often. I think he's getting around. He was getting around. I think twenty six thousand a show before, and he said it's three times better. So in the range of seventy seven thousand uh, dollars to show seventy seventh to win. So that'd be that'd be awesome for uh, Al. He really deserves it. Um, other fights in this card: Carolina Kowalkiewicz versus uh, Felice Herrig. I think I mentioned that last week, but uh, that's a good fight. I like both of them a lot. Um. Dude, like this fight, this card is just so fucking awesome. I mean, like, I, like I'm, I'm strongly, strongly considering uh, making a trip to Brooklyn for this card. Um, you know, it's only, only 
90 some miles away um I have a cousin who lives in new york so i'm gonna try to go up for the weekend get myself a ticket you know crash at my cousin's place and and uh, hopefully see some of the best fights all year because i mean this card is fucking incredible to start with and it's only got five fights so far um you know but i mean i would i would make the trip just for those five fights as they are now i heard mary beck tysonov uh versus evan dunham is supposed to be on that card too i mean that's fucking awesome I'm a huge Tyson Moth fan. Um, so hopefully I'll get to go to that one. Hopefully I'll keep up this ambition inside to go. Tickets go on sale February 9th. So we'll see how they're priced. Um, Nate Diaz posted like 20 pictures on Instagram and said that he wants to... He's saying something like, you know, these new fighters are boring. No one's talking shit. Someone make me want to come back. You know, somebody, he's like, I want somebody to fight May, June. Somebody makes a noise. So then we see Eddie Alvarez go to Twitter and call out Nate Diaz. We see Kevin Lee go to Twitter and call out Nate Diaz. But, um, you know, this seems like a, a little bit of like a, like a decoded message, doesn't it? Like Nate, you know, he posted all these pictures of, you know, the Connor fights and stuff like that. And I don't know. It seems, it seems like... Nate versus Connor three is in in the brewings. You know, if Nate wants to fight, you know, and and Connor wants to fight, well, then you know they're they both see them as their easiest matchup. You know, Nate doesn't want to fight anybody else at one fifty five. Really, I don't think. And uh, Connor's easiest matchup when it comes to you know Woodley GSP. Khabib or Tony uh, or Nate would be Nate obviously and you know the rematch I think sells the best uh, uh, besides Connor GSP obviously um, but I think that trilogy would sell I don't know 1.7 1.8 million views or pay-per-views uh, I would I would like to see it you know obviously it's the the fights are one one it would it would be pretty you know you know it would be it would be oddly perceived you know you if if the ufc decided to strip connor and then make the fight then everybody would be you know in love with it they would be like oh yeah they did the right thing um if they they didn't you know they would be all pissed off like the the interim title fight they shouldn't it should be for the real belt um who cares you know they're still the tony and khabib are still fighting for a piece of gold you know uh, and they'll get to fight Connor maybe eventually, but uh, who cares if their piece of gold isn't you know labeled the real piece of gold as opposed to the fake piece of gold? Who knows? Um, that situation's a mess, but uh, you know Nate Diaz says he wants to come back. Who knows what it means? We're not really sure to meet to understand with him anymore. But uh, nevertheless, he came out and said it, so he created some noise. Um, Dana White said that Robert Whitaker is in very serious condition after having a uh, withdrawal from his UFC 221 title defense against Luke Rockhold. Um, says that he has a staff in his stomach, which sounds pretty fucked up if you ask me. That sounds brutal. Um, you know, serious condition. I don't know if that's the right word to use. You know, like that's that's when you use like a person's like you know might die. That's I doubt the the circumstances here. But I mean, I would definitely say he's, you know, in maybe critical condition is the word I'm thinking of. Serious condition. Maybe that's the right wording. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely seems like a pretty uh, serious issue. Hopefully that he's not out for too long, because uh, you know Bobby Knuckles is one of the best in the UFC. Um, we had uh, Frost 
Zahabi, GSP's head coach, come out and say that, you know, GSP's ulcerative colitis is, you know, pretty bad and he expects him to be out for a year or two and doesn't know if he'll ever fight again. Um, you know, I, I, I do believe, obviously, GSP is uh, injured. You know, see, even saying that, I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know if he is just wanted an easy way to forfeit that belt and sit on the sidelines until he sees something he wants, which he could be doing. That thing he wants is either a fight with Tyron or a fight with G- or Connor. Um, but, uh, you know, I, w- I definitely see... Um, Maybe the UFC making a 165-pound division. My dream is for them to make the 165-pound division. They have Connor versus GSP on the poster. Both of them got two belts around their shoulder, and they got one belt in the middle of them, and it's going to say, who's going to get the third? And, uh, you know, it's the race for the, the three-weight champion. Um, and it would be fucking awesome. Then then Connor could uh, vacate the belt and, you know, just you know, say fight for it at 155. If you want to come to 165 at Connor weight, then go ahead and come up and wait. But I'm not, I'm not coming, uh, I'm not coming down. So, um, we, uh, we had a couple more, uh, MMA related guests on Joe Rogan's podcast this week. Uh, Ben Askren stopped in for an episode, has some pretty interesting things to say, you know, talked a lot about wrestling, talked a lot about his problems with the UFC and his, you know, little issues with Dana White, and a lot of that was interesting to hear. He said that he was in Bellator, was negotiating with the UFC, and the UFC said, you have to fight in World Series of Fighting one time before you fight here, and then you will sign you the UFC, and Ashton like agreed to the deal and then a couple hours later the UFC redacted the deal and there's a lot of weird stuff going on uh on that you know I would definitely listen to that I would uh, I was kind of a hater of Ben Askren before but now I really like the guy I think he's a really intelligent dude uh fights super smart knows a lot about the fight game has really good intentions everything so um uh, and then we also had Rose Namajunas, the strawweight champ, and her boyfriend, Pat Barry, former UFC heavyweight. Um, and this podcast was weird. You know, obviously you'd like to, you know, you know that Rose is kind of, kind of little, a little fucked up in the head, you know, from something. I think she had, you know, some childhood issues or maybe some sexual abuse or uh, maybe even was just physically assaulted as a child. But she's definitely, you know, like fucked up a little bit. And, uh, you know, Pat Berry is just totally fucked up, too. Like, they started dating when she was 16 and he was 30. Um, And then he just, throughout the entire podcast, was just answering a lot of questions for her. He was saying, you know, that, you know, she's mentally unstable. Um, Like... You know, Rose said it. Rose was like, uh, "She's like, why, why, why are you saying?" And Joe goes, "Why, why are you saying you're mentally unstable?" And Pat answers for her. He goes, "Cause she's mentally unstable." And I'm like, "Dude, that that's your girlfriend of ten years, and you're calling her mentally unstable." I mean, like, obviously she could have some some you know really serious like problems, but it seems like on the surface a lot of it is is good. You know, like she's always playing with her dog. She's the champion. She has a positive message. She you know lived her dream. Um, but maybe the, uh, I can't imagine there being too much wrong with Rose Namajunas to the fact that you have to point out that she's mentally unstable on a podcast with millions of people listening. Just seems really weird. 
Plus, he was, you know, just like acting, like, you know, he was just like fidgeting the entire podcast, you know, like picking up things in the desk and like playing with them or twirling around something. And Joe's like, what are you, what are you doing over there, man? Like, you're weird. Uh, and Pat's like, oh, oh, you want me to stop? And Joe's like, I don't know, dude, you're just weird. Uh, so interesting. Uh, didn't even listen to the rest of that podcast. It kind of frustrated me like a half hour in that Pat was answering all the questions for her. But definitely recommend the Ask Grant episode. Well, I have made it through all of my talking points on my note sheet that I wrote down in math class two hour or about an hour before I started recording the podcast. Not not even an hour. I came home from the class and started recording right away. So. Uh, made my way through all the little notes I wrote down on this piece of paper. Um, uh, so talked about UFC 220, you know, pretty pretty good card. Kind of, you know, a little upsetting the main event. We didn't see a, a knockout by either guy, but, you know, life goes on. Um, looking forward to the, uh, the fights tomorrow night. Uh, a lot of news going on in the week, you know, got to stay updated with that stuff. And, uh, you know, we'll be coming at you with uh, episode 8. Uh, after uh, UFC on Fox this weekend and uh, before UFC Machida versus whose homeboy he's fighting, uh, Eric Anders. Yeah, so we'll we'll come uh, have another episode previewing that card and going over the UFC from this weekend. But uh, I will believe that is all for Episode 7. Enjoy Bellator 193 tonight. Enjoy UFC on Fox tomorrow night. And uh, Episode 8, will be uh, next week. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast, I thank you for tuning in to episode eight, and I will see you guys next episode. Peace.